wherever you are, be there. So if you're at your job, it's easy to let your mind wander of a fight you had with your kids or an issue going on with your wife or financial struggles or whatever it is, but focus on the task at hand. Do your best with what is in front of you at that moment where you're at. So wherever you are, be there. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining me today, the talented, the beautiful, Daryl Darnell. Wow, it's been a long time. Probably <laughs> never have I been called beautiful, but thank you. <laughs> Daryl, you were a beautiful man. Let the record reflect that. Now, I think we need to tell a story real quick. And that story is a little bit of embarrassment on my part. We recorded an episode a while ago, which I was really excited about. And then when I went back to listen to it, I did not properly set up my mic. And I felt like an absolute fool. And so this is a long overdue interview. And I appreciate you lowering your standards to hang out with me. <laughs> well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be back on your show. It's a pleasure to be on there the first time. And you're being way too hard on yourself. <laughs> I'm glad to sit down with you this time in person instead of virtually like we did the last time. So this is a real treat, man. Well, it's not our first time to get that hang time. And no. maybe we didn't record it on a podcast, but I have enjoyed our hang time in the I past. And I want people to know about Daryl Darnell. There's going to be some that do, and then there's going to be some that don't. So for those that don't, Daryl, uh, you know, let's go with the question that every podcaster hates. Just tell a little bit about who is Daryl Darnell. Well, like most people, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> my, in a nutshell, the, the part that people would care about, there are two things uh, podcast related to me. I have a podcast network called Golden Spiral Media. We started podcasting in 2008 about the awesome sci-fi show Fringe and just kept growing and kept adding podcasts. And so now we have a whole slew of very talented hosts and we cover a lot of sci-fi shows and a lot of comic themed shows like Arrow and Supergirl and Gotham, Flash, you know, all those sorts of things. So that's Golden Spiral Media. And then my full-time job is serving podcasters. I own Pro Podcast Solutions where we take care of the technical details, the heavy lifting, the oftentimes looked at as grunt work of the podcast, whether it's podcast editing or if you need help getting started and launching your podcast, doing your show notes, transcription, if you need intros and outros or artwork, full service podcast production company. So you now like couldn't be more involved in podcasting, no. but yeah. there was a time when you weren't podcasting or helping people with podcasting. So what first got you interested in podcasting in general? What first got me interested is this obscure man by the name of Cliff Ravenscraft. I know nobody's ever heard yeah, of him before. Probably no one. Yeah, but I'm not. A, it's so interesting, Jared, because I just said I own this TV podcasting network, TV and film. And one of the ongoing gags about me within the community is I don't watch a lot of movies. And I watch a surprisingly small amount of television. If I'm watching three shows, including a Netflix show that I'm binging, I'm watching three shows at any given time. That's a lot of TV for me. So I'm not really a huge TV watcher, but when I find something I like, I'm all in, right? And the first show that really did that to me was a TV show called Lost. And so I started going, what in the world is going on with these people on this crazy island? What is it? And started looking for other people who were as enthralled with this TV show as I was, started going online and finding forums and whatnot. And then I discovered there are podcasts and there are ones that cover Lost. And then I found Cliff and I started calling in and he would do these initial reaction live shows with his wife, Stephanie, and people would call in and I would call in and talk with them or they would share my feedback on their show later in the week. And that was just like the bug. I just got hooked. And so 
a guy who was not really well known at that time named J.J. Abrams, who of course now is superstar yeah, Star no Wars and all that stuff. At the time, he was known for Alias and maybe a few other little things. But he kind of helped get lost, started it, then handed it off to a guy named Damon and a guy named Carlson. But his next show was this show called Fringe. So I called up Cliff one day and I said, Cliff, are you going to cover Fringe? Because if he was, I was not. I did not want to compete with Cliff. And he would have been the first to tell me, who cares if I cover it? You cover it too, which is my advice. But he said, no, I'm not going to cover it. Knock yourself out. So that was good. And we did. And that's how we got started. It was all because of Cliff and him bringing me into his community and making me really get infected with the podcasting bug. And then just kind of grew and grew from there. So no experience, just an interest in a TV show and loved listening to other shows about, you know, different TV shows that you enjoyed, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned Lost. So walking into a fringe podcast, what was that like? We didn't know what we were doing. I wrote Cliff an email and I said, what equipment would you recommend? I don't have much of a budget. I can spend maybe $300. And he said, well, you know, get this recorder, get these microphone stands. I already had some microphones. A a buddy of mine used to be in a band and he had like a whole bunch of wires and microphones. He's like, yeah, I've got all these sitting out in my garage. And so he just gave me this case that had all kinds of audio gear in it. One was like a drum kit mic that looked like it had been used as a drum and it was just so beat up. That's what we started with microphone wise. And we didn't know what we were doing. I would pick Cliff's brain from time to time. He was always gracious to, you know, give me advice. And but we just hit the record button and started talking. And then over time, just like all of us have, over time you figure it out. And that it was a really important lesson he taught me was just hit the record button, do the best with what you have available to you at any given time, and then grow from where. But if you never hit that record button and you never start talking, then you know, you're never going to progress from there because you have to start your journey and whatever spot you're at. So at what point in the Fringe podcast did you realize, okay, I need to outline this a certain way. This seems to resonate. I like this part. Like, what was that process like? That was from the very beginning. So we knew, we saw the the first trailer for Fringe, I think aired in about February-ish. It might have even been around the Super Bowl. I don't know if Fox did the Super Bowl that year or not, but it seems to me that they did a teaser trailer around some big event like that. And the show didn't premiere until either late August or early September of 2008. So we decided around May that we were going to do a podcast about it. And so at that point, once we decided we were going to start the podcast, we started doing a lot of things like acquiring equipment, figuring out what that was going to be like. How are we going to host it? Did we need to build a website? And among that, what was going to be the format of the show? There were four of us initially. And all of us, we would have these little meetings about what does our show look like? And this is something that is very, very important is the structure of your show. How's it going to start? How's it going to end? And what's going to fill the middle? And we had these different segments. We had a science segment. We had this day in science history segment that we did initially. And we ended up scrapping that segment, you know, after, I don't know, three or four episodes. But we kind of try to figure out how we're going to bring an audience participation. How are we going to do show notes? That was really interesting for us because at first we were all kind of handwriting our notes out on pieces of notebook paper and we would come together at the table to record. And I didn't know, let's say you and I are doing a podcast. You hadn't shared your notes with me. I didn't know if we had a similar thought and we were going to talk about them in the same order. And it was really disorganized. And then somebody came in and said, well, you know, we can share a thing called Google Docs and all of us can see it at the same time and we can make changes to it. And I had never heard of Google Docs at that point and it just rocked my world and it was perfect. And we still use Google Docs to this day to put together our show notes because it's so collaborative and you can change things on the fly and everybody can see it. And so the structure was always there. Trying to figure out the best way to get everybody on the same page took us a few times to figure out, but we got there eventually.
So you do help a lot of new podcasters. What's something that you tell someone when they're interested in how do I start my show and then how do I end my show? Yeah. And I tell them there's no right or wrong way to do it, but whatever feels right to you. I get this question a lot, like, what should my intro be like? And I point to two guys that I have a lot of respect for. One of them is a guy named Mike Kim, and his yes. podcast is the Brand You Podcast, and it's so, so good. But And I have the privilege of editing his podcast, and it starts out, you have about one second of music, and then Mike comes in fresh every week. Hello, and welcome to the Brand You Podcast. I'm Mike Kim, and do, 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 do. So there's no real intro other than him saying, hello, welcome to the brand new podcast. I'm Mike Kim. It's not pre-recorded. Like I said, it's done live every week. And then same with the outro. He starts closing up the show and we bring up his music. And so there's no pre-canned stuff at all with him. Right. And that works great for him. And that's the right way to do it. You have another end of the spectrum is a friend of mine, Jeff Brown. We both know Jeff Brown, love Jeff Brown. His is the Read to Lead podcast. And his starts out with a little teaser from the episode. And then you have a pre-recorded female voice that comes in and says something to the effect of, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you aren't participating, this is like a paraphrase, aren't participating in the daily intentional reading, then you aren't, or, or if you do do that, then you will receive this that, or grow in this way, this, that, and the other. It's a very specific intro. And then she says, now here's your host, Jeff Brown. And Jeff comes in and says, hi, welcome to Read to Lead. I'm Jeff Brown. And you know, kind of goes into the show and he even gets a little bit of an intro too. And that's right for him. It works really, really well for him. So I think just to kind of know what you want to do, what information do you want to convey? And is it the right place to put it at the beginning or should you put it at the end or maybe mention it along the way like Mike does? It's kind of whatever matches your personality, what kind of matches the overall structure of your show. And for both of those guys, it works. So I know that's not really a a good answer because it's not like this is the way to do it. But the fact that there's not a specific way to do it for everybody is the answer. But I like the fact that you gave two good examples with Jeff Brown's Read the Lead and Mike Kim's Brand You, the brand you. You can go listen and see how they do it. And maybe those are two examples that help. And yeah, that's always a good answer is kind of listen to what are some shows that interest you and how do they do it? Mm -hmm. I find myself on my own podcast because Cliff is in so many ways my mentor. I often introduce my podcasts the way I heard him doing it, you know, and I do my Stuff I Learned Yesterday podcast. I go, Stuff I Learned Yesterday podcast, episode number, whatever, which is what he does, right? Podcast answer man yeah. episode, you know? <laughs> That's true. It's just, I, to me, that seemed natural. That seemed authentic, all those things that I associate with Cliff and I wanted for myself. And so that's the way I didn't do it to copy him. It was, in fact, it took me a while before I even realized I was doing it. Even the voice inflection, I was matching him. And I think it was just because I was like, Cliff's this guy I look up to. And so I don't think there's a right or a wrong way, really. You weren't always doing podcasting full time. And it's really cool for you to be able to say that because I'm sure there's a number of people that would enjoy being able to say that. What were you doing before that? <laughs> I graduated high school in 94 Went to college trying to be a graphic artist. I wanted to be an animator for Warner Brothers. I loved watching Animaniacs after school. Batman the Animated Series was just blew my mind that what they could pull off with animation in that show. And I thought, that's what I want to do. And then after I started going to school and art took on more of an assignment type of role in my life, it, it was clear that was not what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I had no idea. I had taken a part-time job at this bookstore. I was a cashier. And I've always loved work. And my dad instilled within me a, a deep work ethic. And so I was succeeding there and they were recognizing my hard work and I just kind of kept working my way up. And so what I found was I was just taking less and less hours at school and working more and more hours as they would give them to me. Before time I was, for too long, I was full time and then I was given a key to the store and then they asked me to join the program to manage a store and I did that for 
three years. And then they offered me a position buying books, being one of, part of the buying team at the corporate office. And that was a dream of mine by that time. So I did that and I was terrible at that. I got fired from that role, if you will. But I had done such a good job out at the store level. They said, we don't want to fire you from the company. We want to put you back in this. We want to keep you on the bus and put you back in this seat that's a better fit for you. So I went back out to the stores and was waiting to get assigned to be the head manager at a store. There weren't any availability. So I was kind of co-managing or assistant managing at that point and was kind of lost. I remember having a heart to heart with my boss and him saying, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I don't want to do this. I don't want to manage stores. That's not my life's aspiration. And he said, well, if you could go back to school today and do anything, get a degree in anything, what would it be? Figure that out. We're not going to pay for it, but you figure that out and you go do it You know, with our blessing. So I did. I thought, you know, if I were going to school today, I would be a computer programmer. I would get into programming. So I started going to night school and got my degree in computer programming. Microsoft.net was my language of choice. And then about six months after I graduated, our company decided to take our website and develop it from an information only into an e-commerce platform. And they needed somebody who knew store operations because that was going to be important to be able to marry that into what we did operational in the stores. They needed somebody who understood the buying side of things and had relationships with vendors so that those communications could be made and the website could be built with the buyer's needs in mind. Now, I wasn't a good buyer, but I understood their chair and I understood their procedures. And it needed somebody who had experience with programming and specifically with e-commerce platforming. And I had built a e-commerce website using Microsoft.net when I was in school. And .net was kind of our company's language of choice. And so now I was kind of uniquely qualified for this new role. Interesting. And what had seemed like a failure when I lost my buying job turned out to be training for my future. And so that was really cool how God had worked that out. And yeah. uh, so I did. I took that role. It was the internet sales manager was the, if you like titles, that's the one they gave me. And we just kind of kept growing it over the next several years, eight or nine years later. I don't, I don't remember exactly the timeline off the top of my head. My role had grown to e-commerce director. I was one of the directors of the company, answered to the company president and had a lot of responsibility, a great team. And I had a vision for the future. And unfortunately, it didn't match the leadership. The president had actually taken on a role at a different company by that time. He left about a year before I did. And so my new boss and the CEO, my vision didn't match up with theirs where it had the previous president. We were kind of lockstep in our vision. And it was a very, very difficult transition. And it came to an obvious spot where my vision did not match up with theirs and a parting of ways needed to take place. And so I began to try to figure out how I was going to part ways with this company. I had been with four almost 20 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was almost 19 when I left. So it wasn't closer to 19 than, than 20. And it was a hard grind for about a year and a half trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then I was looking for opportunities to move out, kind of doing the side gig for a while of, of doing audio production. And I finally was able to land a, a client in December of 2012. It was a huge client. It was my first client to do audio production for, and it was a huge client. And I would go to work every day and work from, you know, leave the house around eight and get home around six or six thirty, eat some dinner and then work for my client until midnight, one or two in the morning, sometimes three, and then get up and do it again. And I did that for six months and saved all that money I was getting from that client. And after six months, I was able to turn in my resignation wow. and make the leap to being an entrepreneur and do full-time audio production for podcasts.
So what I love about that is you were smart enough to say, okay, I need a buffer, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so you had the discipline to create that, but then leaving something that you'd been with, with you know, 19 years and then transitioning into something that's a whole new wild, wild west, mm-hmm. if you will. What was that like? I'm sure that was... It was a whole mix of emotions. On one hand, I knew that it was the right decision to make. I had no doubt about that. On the other hand, it was stepping out into the great unknown and it was scary. I can remember having lots of conversations with my wife, as you should if you're making these types of decisions and you're married. And she was supporting me 100% as she always had. Daryl, whatever you do, I believe in you and I'm with you. And that was critical. But I also remember there was a tipping point about a year ago. Here we are sitting here late February of 2016. It was January of 2015 where I reached a tipping point where I felt like, okay, we've reached that point where we're going to make it. And there was a point we went eight months in a row. We lost money. We were just bleeding through that savings that we had saved up. And it was going fast and we were scared. We were eating sandwiches two meals a day. I've never been a big breakfast eater. So that was, it was like I was skipping meals. We were eating sandwiches or beans and cornbread. We were cutting every bill we could. We were, I mean, just anything we could. We got down to where we had less than a month's savings left. What was that January like? And, and, <laughs> that, and then we hit that tipping point. It was such an exercise in faith. No you, you and I share a, a common lot of common things. One of those is is our faith. And it's one of those things now I look back and and I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it because I just know that my faith was being exercised and stretched in that period. And God knew what was my future. And I I couldn't see it. We never can see our future, right? Except the the next step in front of us. And I just kept trying to take that next step. And it was after we got through that and we felt like, okay, we've, we've not made it, but we're making it. You know what I mean? And she said, you know, I would never have told you this at the time, but I was scared. I didn't know if we were going to make it. Yeah. What specifically happened that gave you that hope? Because when you're down to that last month and I would imagine you're freaking out, you're thinking this isn't, this probably isn't going to happen. I need to make other arrangements. What happened? I can't say. I mean, there wasn't one thing that I did and it, it, and things just from turn from night into day. The biggest thing I did to help my business grow was I became intentional with my branding. When I left my day job, everyone knew Golden Spiral Media. People were coming to me asking me to help them with audio production or to help them improve their audio because they were listening to our podcasts and knew Golden Spiral Media. I sat down, I had the opportunity to, to bend the ear of one of the leading marketing directors in a major, major company in Oklahoma City. And I asked her, this is from the very beginning, should I start a new company or should I do all this under the Golden Spiral Media brand? And she said, do not start another brand. Everyone knows you've already got Golden Spiral Media started. Use that brand, leverage that. She says, that's a worldwide known brand, leverage that. So that's what I did. And she was well-intentioned and probably that was good advice for some, but it turned out to be not good advice for me. People didn't recognize Golden Spiral Media as an audio production brand. They recognized it as a podcasting, television, and film brand. And so I started having prospects come to me and say, hey, I checked out your website because as they should, they should vet me before you know they want to do business with me. And I can't tell what you do. Are you a TV network or are you a podcast production company? Oh, we're both. Are you serious about this? This is one of my... She's a client now. I landed her, thankfully. She, she says, are you serious about this? Because I need somebody who's serious. And all I see is like one link on your website. No, I'm very serious about this. This is how I'm feeding my family. you know. And uh, so it was conversations like that I started having with my clients. I came to a point 
in late summer that of 2014, I need to make a separate brand. And so we went on vacation, which was scary because we had made financial commitment to go on this Hawaiian vacation while I was still making good money from this major client. The major client had run out of funding and had shut down. And that's when we started bleeding cash. But we'd already financially committed to this vacation in Hawaii, which seemed like a luxury we couldn't come close to. It was felt so irresponsible to go to Hawaii, but we couldn't not go at that point. So we yeah, went yeah. to Hawaii in September and we ate sandwiches every meal there. You know, it was such a, so glad we did it though. But anyway, we got back from that and I worked over the next 30 days to launch a new brand, Pro Podcast Solutions. That was in October, late October that I launched that. November, I landed a new client. December, I landed a couple of new clients. In January, it was my first you know, break or in the black month that I had in eight months prior to that. So wow. that was the thing that seemed to be the tipping point was being intentional about my branding. You and I had breakfast in McDonald's in Las Vegas. We sure did. This was, uh, was early 2015. Yep. I knew about a little bit of this, but not all of it. And so when we had that breakfast, I knew there was, you weren't quite in the clear yet. You right. were it was, you know, kind of working through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about that breakfast and then what are some things that have happened since then? Yeah, that breakfast, I think it was in March. It might have been April of last year. And I said January was the tipping point where we made the first month in the black, but it was still just barely in the black. And even then you're like, okay, I made one month in the black. Does that mean all the months to follow will be in the black? You know, so, so finances were still dicey for us then. It's not like I'm, you know, rolled in in my, you know, Uncle Scrooge money vault right now. I mean, yeah. you know, we're still very humble and, and reserved and everything with our income and our spending. But your gift among the many gifts you have is to be an encourager. And you've always been that to me. And we had that breakfast at McDonald's that day. And, and I kind of shared some of my struggles with you and kind of shared some of the hope I had over the last couple of months at that point. And you just kind of encouraged me to keep going and then encouraged me to keep reaching out to people and building relationships, working hard. And, you know, all your advice was spot on. You also, you know, kind of gave me some advice on how to approach clients and maybe build relationships that might lead to their, you know, tapping into their networks a little bit and finding out if their networks would be good client prospects for me too, which is something that I hadn't really thought of up to that point. And that's something that I've repeatedly told others about. That's advice that I have offered back to other people since that time. Really sound advice. And so it was a great breakfast that we had that day. So now that, you know, we're talking, that was early 2015. Now we're into 2016 and it seems like there's been a breakthrough. It seems like there's really positive things that are happening with the business now. Let's share about that. The business is, we're well on our way. I'm now making more money than I was at my previous job. Now, the financial breakdown is different. You know, I don't have sure. a 401k. I have to pay my own insurance. I have to pay a lot more taxes and yeah. all those things. So it's not an apples to apples comparison. And the net is probably not the same yet, but we're getting there. We both know Brian Kane, good friend of both of ours. And he had been helping me do audio production that fall of 2014 while I was trying to figure out while I was in Hawaii, when while I was focusing on building the website, I was paying him out of my savings account. And in January of 15, he says, I need to step back to focus on my own branding. And I was so happy because I was like, I didn't know how I was going to pay him. I was going to have to, you know, quote unquote, fire him. And that was an uncomfortable conversation I was about to have with him when he said, I need to 
step back and it was i was like you know yeah it worked out for both of us and so we've gone from that stage where we were when we had breakfast to now we've got four audio editors i'm still looking for more so i can be ready for the future at the rate that we're growing transcriptionist we've got show notes and we've got a great team that we're working not all of them are None of them are full-time. They're all part-time, but there's so much more work than I could ever, ever handle right now. And it's a great, it's been just a great momentum boom that we've been on over the last eight months, really. It started shortly before podcast movement. It hasn't let up since. Wow. That's encouraging. And then, uh, of course, we're here at an event called Podfest in Tampa. And, mm-hmm. you know, just to see people who are coming up to you at your booth and uh, excited and learning more, like to me, that's just a testimony of your hard work, of your diligence, of your patience through the <laughs> the good and the bad. And now to see, you know, more opportunities opening up. I, I'm thrilled for you, Daryl. I really uh, appreciate that story. And I'm just curious, what advice do you have for the person who's, man, they're not sure about next month. You know what I mean? They're not sure about this month. What do you say? I just say, don't give up. You know, I've been in that spot where I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, tomorrow or the next day or the next month when those next round of bills came in. Was I going to have to go get a job at Starbucks, which I would have done, would do it with what I need to take out a loan from my in-laws, which I've actually done once before too. What would I do? You know, those types of plannings are going on in my mind. And, you know, there's a turning point and there's no guarantee that there's going to be that turning point. But I would just say, you know, going back to again to what I said a little bit earlier, that next step that you can take, you know, don't always sometimes you just need to focus on the the one thing that you can do right now and do that because it's easy to get overwhelmed with all the possibilities or I can't see six months from now. None of us can. My business may dry up six months from now. So I have to always just keep doing the next best thing that I know to do and to just do that. Just, but just keep plugging away. Keep believing. Keep keep your head up. Where can people learn more about Pro Podcast Solutions? ProPodcastSolutions.com. That's the website. And you can reach me at Daryl at Pro Podcast Solutions. That's D-A-R-R-E-L-L. Good deal. And Daryl, we'd always like to finish with a final thought. But before we do that, well, what, tell us again, what's the best concert you've ever been to? <laughs> You know, you mentioned you and I had recorded this before. And when you asked me about the concert last time, I said, one of these days, I want to see this guy named Tommy Emanuel. And since that time, I've actually got to see Tommy oh, Emanuel live. Okay, well, this played out well. Yeah, then. that was unbelievable. Tommy Emanuel, if you love guitar, he is, I think, the world's greatest fingerstyle guitar picker. It's just amazing. But my wife and I both love Muse, which is this British rock band. They actually just won the Grammy for Best Rock Album with their, their latest album, Drones. And... They came to Dallas back in December, and she and I went and loved it, and she couldn't get enough. And so we chased him over to Las Vegas the next month and went and saw him in January, too. Oh, good for and you. And it was even better then. So that the January, the Vegas concert of Muse is now the best concert I've ever been to. Wow, that's yeah, cool. It's fantastic. All right, so we, we always close out final thoughts. So, Daryl, what are your final thoughts? I'll just part with some advice. Somebody asked me here at the conference yesterday, we were doing some roundtables and they were asking for advice. And what's the best piece of advice you were ever given? This is the best piece of advice I was ever given. I mentioned I've managed stores for three years. And one of those years, I was actually the store manager. I was training to be a store manager. And that guy gave me the best piece of advice I've ever received. And that is wherever you are, be there. So if you're at your job, it's easy to let your mind wander of a fight you had with your kids or an issue going on with your wife or financial struggles or whatever it is. But focus on the task at hand. Do your best with what 
is in front of you at that moment where you're at. When you get home, it's easy for us, especially guys, to think about work we've got to do at the office or you know a deadline that's coming up or an important meeting or presentation that we've got to do or take work home with us, right? Don't do that. Focus on your family. Focus on those relationships. So wherever you are, be there. Hit the record button, do the best with what you have available to you at any given time, and then grow from where. But if you never hit that record button and you never start talking, then you know, you're never going to progress from there because you have to start your journey and whatever spot you're at.